0: Especially way today we keep in our prayers the people of Sri Lanka who um, tragically suffered uh, an attack last night during uh, many of which were during Easter services at churches, explosions that killed um, over 200 people and many, many more are injured. Um, and so we pray for them on this, what should be a joyous day, uh, celebrating new life. Uh, which for some is a a great sadness and, and loss, so we keep them in our prayers this day, especially on this day when we celebrate the triumph of Christ's life over death, of his love over hatred and sin and all that separates us. This is the day of our triumph. The resurrection of Jesus is the center, the heart of the Christian faith. It's Without it, Christianity doesn't exist, at least as we know it. Because Christianity is not a set of rules. Jesus is not another religious leader or founder who came to show us some way to live. He's a savior who inaugurates a new age, who confers on us a kingdom. And that's only possible if he's still alive, if he rose from the dead. It's only possible for him to encounter us in the sacraments of the church, most especially the Eucharist, if he's not dead anymore, but rather alive. The only way he can reach you and me, to speak to our hearts, because he's risen from the dead. Many people don't believe in the resurrection. They think it's a fantasy, wishful thinking. Some others maybe think that it's a helpful myth. It's like a metaphor for spring, how every year the life comes out of death, and and that's an important myth that we have, to understand how life works in its cycles of death and life. Others believe that it's a historical fact. That is the Christian belief, that this is something that really happened, that eyewitnesses, the same people who saw him die, saw him alive again three days later, encountered him in a body now that doesn't die, It's not like the former sinful flesh, which passes away and decays, but a glorified, resurrected body that lives forever and that we are all destined to inherit one day after we die with Christ and rest in the sleep of peace. When he calls forth all the dead from their tombs on the last day, the resurrection of all the dead, so that we can live with him in eternity in the new creation but there's an even fourth level, not just believing the resurrection is a historical event, certainly more than a myth and certainly more than a fantasy, but the difference between believing in the resurrection and resurrection. In other words, that this isn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago, but that some, it's something that's happening today, in our midst, if we can see it. Believing in resurrection is believing that this still happens. And the resurrection, or resurrection as we know it in our lives, is always three things. It's always a gift. It's always a surprise. And it's always uniquely tailored to your heart. Look at just a couple of the stories of the resurrection as we see them in the Gospels. First, we saw uh, the beginning of it in this Gospel I just read, the Gospel of John, where Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. Mary Magdalene loved Jesus with her whole heart. She was there from the time that he was walking around and healing people and and speaking, all the way to his arrest, his suffering, and his death. She was there with him the whole time, and she was brokenhearted that he was gone. We don't know much about Mary Magdalene's life. Some people have called her It said, oh, Mary Magdalene maybe is the woman caught in adultery. We, say, we, we know from the Gospels that it says that Jesus um, banished seven demons from her. She had something going on before she was a follower of Jesus, and she found in this man, the God-man, something, some love she had been looking for, that this man really loved her for who she was. And she found her identity in him. And now he was gone. One more man that had left her behind. One more love that she couldn't count on. And as she's crying at the tomb that's now empty, she's even more confused by the resurrection than by the death. She doesn't know what's going on, where is his body, where is he? And a gardener appears, or what she thinks is a gardener. And she's crying, she can't tell that it's Jesus. She says, where have you put my Lord so that I can go and take care of him? And he just says, Mary, says her name. And immediately her eyes are opened and she throws her arms around him. And he says, don't, no, don't hold on to me in this way of being, that I have to ascend to my Father, but go and tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee. And she's filled with joy all of a sudden that the resurrection has happened in her, not just in Jesus. She, her life has been restored. Her love has been restored. Or St. Peter. St. Peter, unlike Mary Magdalene, could not stay with Jesus all through his suffering and his death. He denied Jesus three times. That he even knew him. And as Jesus laid in the tomb and Peter was up in the upper room trembling with fear that maybe they might catch him and find out that he was his disciple, and Just oppressed with regret and shame over being too much of a coward to suffer and die with Jesus as he told him he would, he goes up to Galilee and says, I'm going fishing. And there Jesus appears to the disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and calls to them and does a familiar trick, a familiar miracle. Throw the net on the other side. After they've been fishing all night and caught nothing, now they catch this miraculous huge draft of fish, so much that the boat is sinking. Peter sees that it's Jesus and jumps into the lake and swims to the shore while the rest of the disciples have to haul the fish. And he finally brings the fish to Jesus. Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. He asks him a second time, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. He says, tend my sheep he asks him the third time, Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And in those three I love you's, he undoes the threes I don't know you's. And so is restored and brought back to life and is ready to preach this great sermon that we read in the Acts of the Apostles. After the Holy Spirit has descended upon him, he's brought back to life. He's new. The coward is made brave. The one who had no faith is now filled with faith and shares that faith and gives that faith to others. Resurrection is always a gift. It's always a surprise. You don't expect it. And it's always uniquely tailored to your heart. I remember before I was a priest, I worked uh, for a summer in a hospital. And I was uh, visiting with the sick and the dying. And there, I remember one woman in particular who was on hospice, and her daughter was there with her. And the woman was couldn't have been 90 pounds. She was, just barely made an impression on this bed, and she had not been eating for several days and, and was dying. And her daughter was there just distressed because she knew her mother was hanging on because of fear. She was afraid to die. And she suffered from dementia as well and had woken up from several dreams of talking about fire and hell and being afraid of, of going there. And her mother just wanted her to be at peace. Her, her, her daughter wanted her to be at peace to know she was forgiven for everything that she might have done to hurt her or her brothers and sisters or anyone else that she she just wanted her to have peace to know that God loved her and that she wasn't going to hell she was going to heaven if she believed in Jesus and so I called the priest that I was staying with and asked him to come and give her anointing of the sick which he did and if you know anointing of the sick is um, if, if you don't if you're not able to go to confession she couldn't speak um, it is for the forgiveness of sins. It, it's the same as confession, that in, someone, in extremis who's dying, receives the anointing of the sick, marking them on the forehead and the hands with the oil of the infirm. They're forgiven of their sins, and they're given special strength for faith, to trust in God. But still, days later, I, I went and visited again, and there she was, still hanging on, and her daughter was just at the end of her rope. She said, I don't want her to be afraid. I sat across the bed from her mother, and I just asked her, what kind of woman was your mother? And she said, she was uh, very hard to live with. She could be very hard on us. She was always on me about my weight and um, criticizing and judgmental. We loved her and she loved us, but she didn't know how to show it. And then she proceeded to go through a couple of the things I won't mention that really had offended her, that really had hurt her about what her mother had done and said. She said, but I've told her, and all my brothers and sisters have come to visit her and said, we forgive you. It's okay, you can go. Be at peace. And so I I said, well, do you want to pray? And I just went over to the woman's face, and and she hadn't opened her eyes in days, and and she hadn't eaten, she hadn't moved hardly. She was just struggling to breathe. And I just told her, I, I called her name, and I said, you know, just so you know, when the priest came to anoint you, all of those sins were forgiven. Everything that you've ever done and all these things that your daughter's mentioned, everything is forgiven by Christ. So you don't have to do anything. We will do all the work. And I, I just said a, a prayer asking for God to help her to trust in Him. And prayed for a little bit and then sat back down. And then it was just silent. And all of a sudden, the woman's eyes opened. And she lifted her head up from the pillow. And now, this is a woman who hadn't eaten in weeks, was dying had no strength, and she lifted her whole head from the pillow off of the bed and looked straight across the room to the wall. What we looked like to us, she was just looking at the wall. And a grin came across her face. This huge smile. At first I thought it was a grimace and pain, but then it was just an ear-to-ear grin. And she stayed like that for about 30 seconds, just wordlessly grinning at the wall. <laughs> and then she coughed and fell back on the, on the pillow and closed her eyes again. And her daughter was... Losing it, totally sobbing. She said, what a gift. That smile. So I left. I charted my visit, and I left to to go to a different wing of the hospital. And the nurse told me that as soon as I went to the stairway and opened opened the door to the stairs, she went in there, and the woman had passed away. Now, I don't know what she saw, but I have an idea of who she saw. Resurrection is what brings order out of chaos, forgiveness out of sin and resentment and regret. What breathes us back to life gives us hope that death is not the end, that no matter who we are, where we've been, what we've done, Christ calls us home and gives us what he has received from the Father, eternal life, infinite love, So the question is, where have I deadened my desire for life? Where have I felt like, yeah, I believe in the resurrection, but I don't believe in resurrection. or I don't know if I can really trust in that. I think that Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, and I even believe in the sacraments, the Eucharist, that Jesus is here in the church encountering me. But people don't really change. I can't really change. The things in my life that are in chaos and disorder that have harmed me and hurt me and wounded me, the shames and regrets and guilt that I have, that can't be brought to life. That can't be healed and transformed and renewed. Well, it can. Put yourself maybe today as a meditation in the tomb. Last night, nobody knew the hour when Jesus rose from the dead. All we know is that they went to the tomb in the morning, the day after the Sabbath, and the tomb was empty. But God, the Father, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who breathed life back into him, they knew the hour. But we can put ourselves in meditation in our imagination inside the darkness of that tomb. Just in a corner, looking at that dead flesh, crucified and scourged, wounded for our offenses, totally dead, nothing's okay, nothing's going to be okay, he's gone. And then somewhere, sometime in that nighttime, all of a sudden, And he breathes again, and he's alive. And the stone rolls back, and there's angels and trumpets blaring, and he comes out of the tomb, and it's a new day. That's today. Or it can be, if we have faith and trust. That resurrection is a gift. We didn't deserve it. That's why it's a gift. It's not something we earn. It's not something because we've been good. It's given to us because we need it. And God loves us and wants to give it to us. It's always a surprise. It's better than we could ever imagine. It's not something we can do on our own or we can plan. It's something totally new, better than we can imagine. And it's always uniquely tailored to our heart, what we need, what we long for. Christ is near to us. He is alive. And he's giving new life to all who long for it and ask for it in faith.